Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis, from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute for medical advice of physicians. You may review the National Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at nof.org. Last fall, Teresa Regan shared her story with us on the Bone Talk blog as part of our Voices of Osteoporosis initiative. Throughout her life, she has tackled many health challenges related to her fertility and ovaries, while also trying to stay focused on her overall wellness, including her bone health. After years of managing a consistent health regimen that included things like good nutrition, appropriate supplements, and regular exercise, Teresa found out this past fall that she has osteoporosis. While she allowed herself the space to feel sad and upset, she also quickly made up her mind to take change and challenge head on. As we start the new year, we can't help but feel inspired by her optimism, her focus, and her dedication to finding a positive path forward. We're so pleased to have her with us today to share her story and tell us more about how she has been approaching her bone health action plan for the future. Teresa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me and allowing me to tell my story and hopefully to help other people feel that they have some control and they can be active participants in taking care of themselves too. Yeah, it's so important. And then like I said, we're delighted to have you here to kind of share your story. And I said it really is inspiring how much you've been through and what a positive attitude you had. So tell me a little bit about your background and your health history and how you came to your diagnosis with osteoporosis. So as I understand, you had some health challenges as a younger woman. And can you talk a little bit about those and what that led to? Yes. And I think it's important for people to keep in perspective to that. I'm just turned 59. But when I was younger, a young girl starting my menstrual cycle, that was in the early 70s. And at that point in time, periods and menstrual cycles were talked about, even within my own family, as sort of an inconvenience to the whole family and even to women. But it was not a time that you really, in my family, it wasn't really being sick or being uncomfortable was not something you were invited to share. It was in some ways shamed. And for me, I was one of six kids. I was the first daughter to start my period and it was horrible. I had terrible periods. They were, I was in a lot of pain. They were heavy and I was just 13. And I remember just saying to my mom at that point, this is not fun. And at that point in time, I was really made to believe that I was making too big of a deal about it. So I just sort of learned to live with it for a while. But then as I got older, maybe closer to 16 or 17, they had gotten worse. And I do remember specifically going to my mom and saying, you know, I feel, I don't feel well most of the time. It, she, I think it was enough prodding from me. And my other sisters had also by that point started their cycles and theirs were not like mine. She took me to her obstetrician and 
the obstetrician really looked at my mom, looked over me at the appointment and said, essentially, I don't know what she's complaining about. I just think teenagers are hard to deal with and I think it's in her head. But I left that appointment so mad and so humiliated. I talked to enough girlfriends at that point where they'd even made comments like, you know, this is, your cycles are way worse than ours. So when I got to college, one of my close friends told me, you've got to go see a different doctor. And I set up an appointment with the University Health Center. And very fortunately, I got a female doctor who did a great intake and exam. I shared what I thought was going on, but I, I do remember putting out there at the beginning of the appointment, I said, you know, I've been told that I'm a really passionate, emotional person. And some doctors have told me that I make this, this might not be real. Um, and I remember at that point, we were done with what she needed to do for the exam and she sat down and she looked at me and she said, I need you to listen carefully and I need you to understand. This is not in your head, Teresa. You have a disease that's called endometriosis and no one has discovered that about your body until I did this exam. And I'm really concerned about your ovaries. The most important thing she kept saying to me was, this is not in your head. This pain is real. I remember crying, Claire, crying and thinking, oh my gosh, there's hope. My life can get better. And so really this first female doctor was the one who shared with me that she was worried about my fertility going forward because I had had so many cysts on my ovaries that had been undetected. She was really the first one to set me on the path of you need to be an advocate for your own health as a woman. This was before access to computers. So I left with a really thick brochure on endometriosis and read it. And I remember writing to different companies and asking for more information. But that's when I started on that journey there. I did go through a lot of crazy treatments for the endometriosis because it kept getting worse. But involved some hormone injections. And really, the goal was to try and keep my ovaries safe so that I could still have kids when I was of age and found someone that I wanted to have children with. So it's a complicated story that has to do with being raised in a time where it wasn't okay to talk about pain as a woman and periods were shamed. So by the time I found out about my endometriosis was college. And at that point, it was already pretty severe. So, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing, though, that that you did find someone. And it's horrible what you suffered as a teenager, you know, to have to go through all of that and be told that, again, that there wasn't anything. And sadly, we still hear that from women today where they're talking about their health issues with clinicians and they're told that they're hypochondriacs. But 
as hard as it was in that struggle, the fact that as a college student, you found someone to listen made all the difference for sure. I love that you said that that's when you first thought about being an advocate for yourself and how important that was. Interestingly enough, if you think of the, when I'm looking at in your story and thinking about all of these different challenges, even then when you were having those menstrual issues as a teenager, which is when we're building towards peak bone mass, those right. issues actually impacted where you are today. Right. That that this is what led to your bone health issues later. And again, the fact that that those dots weren't connected back then, you know. So then after all of those fertility, I know, again, also wonderful that the doctors were intent on preserving your ovaries so that if you did want to do reproductive health, that you would be able to have children and stuff. So moving on then, then the next thing that, not the next, but one of the other stages in your life that was another big health scare and issue, which also impacts bone health, was then, you know, in your mid-40s, you were diagnosed with breast cancer. So tell me a little bit about about that. And again, did anyone, as you were going through the treatment for breast cancer, talk to you about down the road, this is what this is going to do. These are some of the other things that you need to be worried about. Yeah. You know, prior to the breast cancer, I had had three laparotic surgeries just to really keep my uterus free from freezing and also keep my ovaries as healthy as possible. So the doctors, two different doctors had performed those surgeries did keep telling me your ovaries are so critical for not just making a baby, but producing estrogen. And and we want you to continue to do as much as you can, which at that point, really clear, there wasn't much you could do for endometriosis because it grows as a result of your cycle, right? So your periods grow the endometriosis. It's a, a bizarre, horrible disease. Anyway, So that I was already well aware that I needed to hang on to my ovaries as long as I could. And so when I got diagnosed with breast cancer, I was stunned because it was caught early, but it was quite an aggressive cancer. I was only 44, but I remember when they went and listed out, I would have a lumpectomy and that I would have radiation and then I would go on a medication that after the radiation and oral chemo that could cause some other side effects. And some of the side effects had to do with uterine cancer. So it was that point that at that meeting with all this whole team of doctors that I said, there's a bigger picture of my health that we have to keep in mind. And so I went through the history of the endometriosis and I said, this is when I need help making a decision is this the time that I get the hysterectomy because of the other side effects? So I moved into the right. period in the diagnosis of saying, I need to know because I need to start ranking this all out. I worked mm-hmm. full time. I had two young kids and I was doing everything I could to try and get on top of this diagnosis and treatment. So I actually ended up having to go back to an OB. Because the med team, my cancer team, didn't want to answer those questions. So then I met with my OB and through pulling it all together, I ended up managing that decision on my own. I decided this is the time to do it. I know it's going to be a risk. 
but I've got to do it so I can get a handle on that. But they did talk about, you know, you're going to have, with your hysterectomy, a full hysterectomy, the radiation is also going to be a big hit on your bones and your immune system. But then honestly, Claire, I'll be really honest with you. I moved into a period of compartmentalization, which was probably about a year and a half where I decided, okay, I've got to tackle one big health challenge at a time. And so I went to surgeries and the treatment. And then I honestly, for probably a full year after my treatment was done, I did not feel like myself came out of that and then all of a sudden it's like the someone knocks on your brain and whispers, remember Teresa, you're in menopause now. You have to worry about your bones. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I've got to get back on the train of taking care of my body. So then I called up my OB and I said, you know, my body feels different. I know I'm in menopause. I know it's not recovering from cancer treatment. I need some help with learning how to live with my new body. Because at that point, Claire, my body felt like it wasn't mine. I felt very, very different. And I was through the grieving about cancer and feeling hopeful again Mm -hmm. and, and feeling like you are only 44 years old. You have right. You can get control of this. So at that point, it was my going back to my OB. And he said to me, in the town that I live in, which is a small town in West Michigan, he said, we just opened a special practice. And it's an OB whose area of specialty now is women who are post-baby. And I want you to go see her. And Claire, she is like at the top of my hero board. That was a game changer for me. Yeah. Yeah. That recommendation and me going in and saying, this is not my body. And I I know I can't have my old body back, but I need to embrace my new body. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Something we were talking about trying to figure it out and them sort of telling you that, you know, the side effects of the hysterectomy and, and the radiation and stuff will be menopause and the bone loss. I tell her when you were, you were saying you really couldn't, you were in survival mode, right? That yeah. when you're dealing with cancer is survive, right? And so you did that and rightfully so. And with, you know, again, with small children, you prioritized, right? And even if you weren't actively thinking that, that you were just like, yeah, of course, I'm going to survive and I'm going to get through yeah. this. You know, like you said, this most scary diagnosis that I have and, you know, I'll deal with the rest later. That makes perfect sense that that's where the focus was. But again, it just seems like these points in your life where certain, you know, clinical professionals came in and you were somehow directed to them that gave you what you needed. I mean, again, just so lucky that there was this doctor who was focused on women who were not just in reproductive health, right? As we said, so many OBs are really only focused on your reproductive years. And then, you know, it's only now that we're starting to see these clinicians get out of the obstetrics and focus on the gynecology, which we, again, need the rest of our lives, whether or not we're reproductive or not. So that's fantastic. So now, 
I'm glad that you started to like your new body. <laughs> but then yeah. you were also told that you had you were having perhaps bone nails, skeletal issues, right? Right. And I would say that this new doctor, Dr. Dupree, she's amazing. And she had another partner in a practice, Dr. Brookholtz, both women. The most beautiful thing she did for me, Claire, is my first appointment with her was two hours. And we were in a room that was gently lit and comfortable chairs. And for two hours, she didn't want to examine me. She wanted to learn about me, my history, my body, the way it was now. And then she, throughout that period, she would ask questions that, you know, dug deeper. But she the most important question she would ask me is, what do you want for your quality of life based on this body that you have now? And that just blew me away, Claire, that she was really handing to me ownership and advocacy in a way that I so needed post-cancer and I so needed being worried about my bones. She was the one who started asking me more about my family history than I've ever been asked. And when she heard about my family history, my mom in particular, she wanted to do a bone scan immediately, which shocked me. I mean, I I didn't expect that. But she said, you know, you keep describing your mom as a very small woman, and I'm small in stature, although my mom was 4'11 and had the tiniest (laughs) wrists in the whole world. And she was a smoker, a heavy smoker and a heavy drinker. And and she said, you mentioned that she had broken a bone in her back when she sat down one time. Did she ever bring up osteoporosis? And I told her that she hadn't, but also my mom came from a generation where you didn't talk about women's health. Right. You know, she wouldn't release women's health to me. She hid it from us. Uh, My mom died when I was in my 30s. And so there was a lot that I didn't know about her health history. But it was through that Q&A that Dr. Dupree, you know, started me on this education of menopause and then also scheduled a bone density. She sent me home with a DVD on menopause that it was was (laughs) phenomenal, a phenomenal DVD because it was the first DVD that really educationally started talking about what we should talk about with young girls. Right. And so I remember calling her office and saying, can I pass this around to all of my women friends so that they can (laughs) learn about this now too? So I ended up actually buying five DVDs and passing them out to all my women friends. But anyway, she called me. I was at work one day and she called me with my bone scan results. And she said, you know, I, I just, I want you to sit down. I want you to take this in. But I'm worried about your DEXA score. It's osteopenia. And I want to right now start stripping out for you what I think your action plan needs to be. And then I want you to come and see me. So her big action plan right now was she wanted me to remind her what my calcium and vitamin D supplements were and what my diet was. And I'm a really, really healthy eater and always have been. But she added, and I walked. I'm a big walker. She added to my Q 
care plan, I would say now. She wanted me to start weightlifting two to three times per week. Um, She also put me on an estrogen patch. There had been Mm -hmm. some concern about me taking estrogen because breast cancer is estrogen driven. Right. But she just kept saying, we got to talk quality of life, Teresa. And I want you to worry less about getting cancer again and more about your bones. So I started the estrogen patch and that was a game changer, Claire. I love that estrogen patch. She also you know, really helped me with the strength training and re-examining of my diet. She was worried I was going to take too much calcium and then run the risk of maybe having kidney stones. So she started to educate me on that kind of stuff. But I tell you, she was huge for me. Just huge. It's just great that you found her. Again, that you found someone who was looking at this holistically and saw how one your recovery from one impacted the next. And, you know, that conversation she had with you about the estrogen patch, we talk about that as like the risk equation conversation, your risk of getting cancer, as you said, versus your risk of becoming debilitated with bone disease, which at that time was the greater risk, you know, and then giving you that information to be able to make that decision. That's what's so so critical and that we need patients to understand that those are the kind of conversations as difficult as they are that we need to have with our doctors And for some people, again, they choose a different path, but you need to know, you need to be aware and be able to make that intelligent decision. So I love that she kind of had those conversations with you and talked to you about the risk equation of the different things that you were trying to balance in your life. So you did this great regimen and you knew that you were, you know, had low bone mass or osteopenia, but, you know, you changed, you made those lifestyle choices and you were going along for a good bit that I guess where that was really kind of maintaining your bone health right. until kind of recently, right? Until October? Yeah. And what happened is that I just went in for my annual and my doctor, I still see the same team of women and she was talking with me about how I was feeling, how it was going. And I said to her, you know, I really would like to get another bone scan to see how I'm doing. I've been really advocating for my, you know, taking care of myself. But I said, you know, I just retired and I just, I want to stay on top of being active. I'm also, I can be a risk taker in some of the projects I take on. I like to do home improvement. And I was a principal and a teacher. So I was do a lot of lifting and carrying of kids. And I don't know, it was just something in my mind that even though at that point I was only 58 in October, I was like, you know, I just need to check in. She ordered a bone scan and I got it back in November. And I feared something was up because she called me to ask me to come in for the results. So I went in for mm-hmm. my appointment. Again, this is COVID, right? So we're in the pandemic. Right, right. So we both have on face masks and we're sitting, you know, 10 feet apart in this room. And she reads to me my bone scan results, which were in the area of osteoporosis. And within under two minutes, my mask was soaking wet from tears, you know, as she went through and read the scan. I was so, I was, I mean, I get emotional thinking about it right now, but I was just so, so sad and, and I, more than, and I was shocked and I had this 
same feeling of, of being overwhelmed that I had with my breast cancer diagnosis. Yeah, I was just, I was pretty stopped in my tracks. Yeah. Well, it must have been so disappointing yeah. that you were doing everything right. You know, that's what I, I have a lot of conversations with patients where, like you, they said, I, I'm did, I did everything right. I exercise. I, you know, I got calcium and vitamin D and I eat a healthy diet and I don't smoke and I, you know, I bought all of those things. Why did I end up here? As, no. as you alluded to in this conversation, though, it's 90% hereditary, right? There's a hereditary factor. And so despite everything you do, it, or like you said earlier, if you're small framed, if you're frame that is your you know genetic makeup and your small frame then you only have so much bone mass to begin with and then all of these things that said that you've overcome have had an impact on that so it's completely and totally understandable that at this point you were like are you kidding me you know <laughs> i mean how is this possible so um, my my heart aches thinking about that story and how that must have felt and you know, the harder, it makes it even harder during a pandemic because I have the kind of doctor that would have walked over and wrapped her arms around me and just let me cry it out or whatever. But yeah. I really had to give myself a lot of grace, Claire, and let myself be sad and mad and frustrated for a while and maybe about two weeks. Although I would say that, that my personality and and I, a goal writer, I had two parts of my brain going on where 80% was just mad and sad. And then I had this 20% that I was right away on the NLS website. Yeah. Trying to get my head around, okay, I've got to learn about osteoporosis now as someone who's having it. Because my big fear, Claire, immediately became fear-driven as I started to, well, here's what I said to my doctor. In that appointment, I said, God, damn genetics. I said, all these 14 years, I have wanted to cheat genetics. Mm. I just thought I could mm-hmm. cheat it. And I, mm-hmm. could, I could overwork. I could make up. I could make up for genetics. Yeah. And she just said, you know, you, this is where I need you to know that if you hadn't done what you had done, you could be in worse shape. And I was glad she said that. I needed to leave the appointment hearing that, Claire. I needed to be raw with her. And I needed her to just say that because that allowed that 20% of my brain when I was in my about two weeks of sadness to start taking to an action plan, which is sort of how I operate because I've accepted that my body is different. I had endometriosis. I spent, I was three weeks out of every month. I was miserable, Claire. And I was the only woman that I know that when I got pregnant, it was bliss. I remember calling girlfriends and saying, are you kidding me? This is what you feel like? Like most of your life you feel like this? Because I didn't have periods. So my nine months, of pregnancy both times were just, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe that your uterus and your ovaries could be that calm and and that you could not be in pain. And so I knew I could overcome it, Claire. I mean, I guess what I'm getting to is if I could overcome endometriosis, 
if That's right. I could overcome cancer, I had to start resetting my brain and thinking, I can overcome this, but my fear, like fear was breaking a bone. So I right. started to look around my house and think, okay, you have got to tamp down on the risk taking because mm-hmm. you could easily, as I mean, right now as a 59-year-old woman, you could slip on a dog toy and fall down the steps. Or, you know, it right. just was all of a sudden a shift for me, Claire, that I took really seriously. Right. But you went right to the practical, which I also love, right? The immediate, you know, the immediate thing is what can I do right now, today to help, right? And that was your mini action plan, right? Take a look around. What's my environment? How am I doing these things? Because you already knew the diet, the exercise, you know, and I'm I'm assuming again, after all of the other health crises, you knew too and had a conversation with your doctor that there were treatment options, right? That there is hope that there's things to do along that, but there's also things that you yourself can do. And it sounds like you jumped into that. First of all, I just have to say, I'm just so impressed because that the 80% of your brain, 20% of your brain, I would have been wallowing for a lot longer than two weeks and been through everything you've been through, it would have taken me probably a little longer to recover and say, okay, I'm on this, but I'm so glad that you did and that you started to figure that out. And so now it's been a few more months, but not really that much longer. And I, you know, again, I guess during our crazy pandemic, it was the the pseudo holidays that we had where it's not our normal holidays, but the holidays. So now you're in the new year and how are you feeling about your action plan? You know, I'm feeling really actually quite phenomenal because what I also did is I asked to see a osteoporosis specialist. So already by December, I got my osteoporosis diagnosis end of October, beginning of November. And then already before Christmas on December 18th, I met with a osteo, a specialist in osteoporosis. And that, again, was another essential lifeline that I needed. She took the time to go over all of my bone scan results and explain them in even more detail. Um, Mm -hmm. She confirmed I had started uh, medication Fosamax, which Mm -hmm. is to stop the loss and then Mm -hmm. also help everything else I'm doing improve the density. So she had me bring in my full diet that I eat, my workout routine. And so she went through all of that with me and confirmed, yep, you're doing this. Let's check that. You're doing this. I do yoga. I'm Mm -hmm. a yoga person. And I was concerned about some of the moves that I was doing in yoga. And I had seen on the NLF website also that to make sure you modified those that's right. I, I wanted to know from her because of my bone loss in my one hip and my lumbar region, what to adjust. So she gave me some great information there. Also, she pointed out some risks that I might be taking with strength training. So she helped me adjust that. And then at the end, she asked me what I was most worried about. Um mm-hmm. And I said, I just need to know sooner if this is working. And so she said, well, we could check your bone density in a year. And I said, I would love to check it in six months. And she said, we Mm -hmm. can do that. And then I said, and the other piece of it is, I want to thank you for telling me that I'm on the right track and that the three to four miles 
that I walk every day is mm-hmm. one of the most important things I can do. And then what she did that was also great, she confirmed, yes, Teresa, you're doing all of the right things. Here's where I want you to fine tune. She really encouraged me to keep track of what I'm doing. And I'm in the actual self-monitor too. Mm-hmm. So I'm gradually trying to introduce, well, actually, quite honestly, I've adjusted most of my exercises, but I'm very actively going around and making changes to my environment. Like I don't mm-hmm. allow myself to just crawl on top of the counter anymore to get something mm-hmm. off the third shelf. You know, that's the kind right. of stuff I was doing. My daughter asked me to help her with some home improvement stuff next summer. If we can get together, she lives in Minneapolis. And I said to her, you know, here's what I can do now. And here's that I would have done this, but now we're going to hire someone. So I'm already changing my approach to you can have fun doing projects. It's just you're going to do them differently. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And I've, and I've started doing what I always do as a teacher is every single friend I have, I talk to them about osteoporosis and refer them to your website. And every single friend that I have that still has young kids, especially in particular girls, I say to them, you need to start talking with your girls about their ovaries and how important yeah. estrogen is. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I can be an annoying friend that way. I try not to make my health issues somebody else's, but I just, I want them to advocate for their bodies because I, I love fabulous. my body. Queer, I love my body. I mean, I love that's it. Fabulous. And I feel so privileged to be as healthy as I am. Yeah. So, yeah. You've so done amazing. You really are. And be healthy. You're, you're, yeah. Yeah. Such an inspiration, truly, Teresa. I mean, again, you've just tackled everything that's been thrown at you in such a powerful way. And I think that that forward thinking and your positivity has helped you to kind of move in that direction. But I think that sometimes we just need to hear that, right? Is you've been getting it from your clinicians. And I sometimes think that those of us, the people that don't maybe in our listening audience have those medical providers that they feel they're comfortable with, hopefully they'll find them. But if they don't, sometimes it's hearing from a peer like you who's been through this to say, you got this, right? Put together your plan. Give yourself, like you said, give yourself a lot of grace, right? No one wants to hear they have a chronic disease, right? None of us. But then what are you going to do about it? You know, and my mom had osteoporosis too. And I've talked about this a lot when I'm sharing my own story in the voices of osteoporosis. And she used to say to us all the time, you know, okay, like you did. You're like, okay, wallow a little bit, but I've news for you. The sun is going to come up tomorrow. Yeah. So you're going to, you're going to have to get on with this. And I was like, I always laugh at that, that, and you know, that that's true, right? The new day dawns and we're here. So what are you going to do with it? And so you, my friend, have made the most of that for sure and are taking, like I said, all the right steps to protect your bone and keep yourself active and mobile and independent. And that's the best we can do. So kudos to you for that. And thank you so much for sharing this story. And, you know, again, being that inspiration for peers who are trying to deal with this or maybe having their own new diagnosis as well. Really, I just think that's so invaluable. So before we wrap, are there any last minute tips or things you'd like to share with people about staying positive or finding that energy to put together a workable plan? 
You know, I would say, um, especially, you know, I know bone loss happens for both men and women, but I would just say to women in particular, don't feel any shame about how your body is changing. All of our bodies age. Mm-hmm. And rather than fighting it, if there's any way you can shift your thinking into an advocacy role and accept that your body is going to change and feel different as you age, you can, once you accept that and honor that and you find the right specialist to answer your question, then you really are put back in charge of loving your body and enjoying it while you have. Because quality of life, Claire, quality of life is big. That's right. So, yeah, I have this much hope and this much energy. It comes from educating and advocating for myself and knowing that, yeah, we're aging, but oh, there's still so much we can do. That's right. Well, it's the same thing. It's sort of the blessing of aging, right? It beats the alternative. So yeah, be grateful where you are and keep it going. Oh, thank you again so much, Teresa, for sharing this. And for those listening, if you would like to learn more about osteoporosis prevention and treatment, we hope you will go to the NOF website as Teresa did, which is nof.org. And we'll also have links to specific resources and information that we'll post with this podcast. So again, I hope you enjoyed this episode episode of Bone Talk as much as I enjoy talking with our guest, Teresa Reagan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do two things. One, subscribe to Bone Talk so you never miss an episode. And two, please share with all your friends and family. Thank you again. And we look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the National Osteoporosis Foundation's podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved and or help fuel NOF's mission with financial support, visit nof.org.